strength. Well, as you have the Spirit of God in you, you have supernatural strength. And he says, um, he continues, says the Lord of hosts, What are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become plain, and he shall bring you out of the top stone amid shouts of grace, grace to it. I think when the word of the Lord comes to you, it comes with such grace. And that grace is actually an empowering kind of grace. It's that grace that enables us to be everything God has called us to be, not just because you know, we're, we're taller or we're stronger, not because we're cleverer, not because we have it all together, not because we're somehow better than someone else, but because God's grace is coming by the power of his Holy Spirit in there as well. And I've spoken about these things before, about our, our need to do things by God's Spirit. And I've spoken a lot about our vision and what do you see. That's the question he asks him. What do you see? And Zerubbabel uh, is like, uh, I have no idea what I see. And then God starts to explain this to him. If you read the whole chapter, you'll get a bit of context of what's going on here. But having a vision or opening our eyes to the possibilities that there's more to them just what we can see with our physical beings. Open our eyes to have a vision, a direction, a purpose. And more than that, having that spiritual eyesight that actually God is doing something in my life, even though maybe in my natural eyes I can't see it. Maybe in the natural, physically, emotionally, I'm in a really tough place and I'm suffering. And I'm suffering because of something somebody's done and maybe I'm suffering because of something I've done or something I've said. But having that spiritual eyesight that says, I know God has a plan. I know God has a purpose for me. I was talking to someone just yesterday and they were saying there is no purpose in life. There is nothing, there is no meaning. And and I started to talk to them about God and they're like, well, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in heaven. I don't believe there's anything after death. And I just, you know, and their life was like, that was it. This is all it is, all they can see. And I started to say, well, you know, there's suffering in this world. And people love to talk about suffering. If you're not suffering, you know someone who is suffering. You know, there's a, there's a universality, if I said that right, of suffering and pain and malevolence. And we know there's such thing as evil. But when you don't have purpose in life, when you don't have direction, how do you stay that suffering? How do you, without knowing there's a bigger plan and a purpose to all of this, and I'm part of that bigger plan and that purpose? I tell you, I have to believe that God has a plan and a purpose for my life, and then whatever I'm going through, I know that I'm coming through. And that starts with having a vision or God's vision for your life and understanding that purpose is a key element in combating suffering, malevolence and evil. But not just combating in our physical strength, but by the Spirit. And these verses here, Zechariah speaking to Zerubbabel is talking about the dependence upon the Holy Spirit and saying, God, I need your help. The angel says, that, the angel of the Lord says, what do you see? And he says, I have no idea what I see. And he says, well, let me explain to you how you're going to see this is not because of your own effort. This is because of the Spirit of God and Spirit's empowerment. It's like we've tried it our own way. Have anyone been there? I've tried it my way. And now after giving up, I surrender and I say, God, I want your plan and purpose for my life. I want it for me. 
And I tell you, when you start living for something, a bigger purpose, your vision then becomes bigger, your life becomes bigger, you become this bigger person that God has called us to be. And it becomes with, starts with, this is my point one, is God open our eyes to see what you're doing. We want to see what God is doing and seeing things from a different perspective. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, he wrote this, he says, We live by what we believe and not only by what we see. It's easy to think uh, that there's no more to life than what we can see and fooled into thinking that, that this is it or seeing is believing. Have you ever heard anyone say that? Well, I'll believe it when I see it. But when it comes to faith, hope and love, it's the reverse because actually believing is beginning to see it. It begins by believing. It begins by trust, trusting in God and saying, God, that you've got this. And, and people say, wow, good things come to those who wait. Have you ever heard that? Patient, good things come to those who wait. But I think good things come to those who believe. And I, and I I'd stand by that and I say, we believe that God is doing something. And it's that big picture where we see God's plans and purposes and we see that God is going to bring us through into what he has for us. It's easy to get caught up in the natural way of looking at things and getting distracted and getting uh, disillusioned and you know, getting into some negativity and anxiety and all that kind of stuff and say, nothing's happening for me. It seems like everyone else has got this all together, but what about me? And there's a story of Elisha and his servant in Second Kings chapter 6. And Elisha, and they're facing this huge opposition. And in the natural, they've got no chance. There's a huge army just about to come in and wipe them all out. And Elisha's servant here, I'll read it to you. He got up early and he went out and he saw the army and the horses and the chariots all around the city. And the servant said to Elisha, Oh, what can we do in the face of this challenge and difficulty? And Elisha says, Do not be afraid. The army that's with us is more than the army against us. And he prayed for his servant. And he said, Lord, open the eyes of this young man. And the Lord opened his eyes and he saw the chariots and he saw those who uh, around him and they were the chariots of fire. You know that chariots of fire that Elisha got caught up into and he saw things from God's perspective. And if we haven't got a vision of what God's doing, we can be discouraged today. But the spiritual eyes will be able to see through the problem into saying that God is working on my behalf. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 8. He he writes this, he says, We know that everything, in everything, God is working on my behalf. God is working for the good of those who love him and the people who who are calling So then he says, what should we say? God is for us. You imagine Elisha talking to his servant saying, listen, God is for us. Yes, that army. We're not denying that there's challenges. We're not denying that there's this difficulty challenging against us. But what we are saying is that God is for us. And I tell you, whatever we're going through, know that God is for us and no one can defeat us. He goes on to say, can anything separate us from the love that Christ has for us? What about dangers, problems, 
sufferings, hunger, nakedness, danger, violent death. No, he says nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. You know, there's many stories in Scripture where people facing insurmountable problems, difficulties and challenges, threats to their very life. There's a story in Exodus when they send out they send out 12 spies into the land, into the promised land, which they know God's given to them. And 10 of those spies come back and say, they all come back land. Ten of them go, there is no way. But two of them, Caleb and Joshua, they see something different. They see the same problem, but they see that their God is bigger than their problem. And this is our prayer that God gives us those eyes to see things as God sees them. Open our eyes. And my second point, I've only got three this morning, but my second point is a story of Saul. And he is he, also called Paul. Saul was his Jewish name. Paul was his Roman name. He was someone, we read in Acts chapter 9, who was really passionate about following his religion. And he saw the Christians as a threat to that. So he went about seeking the end of these Christ followers. And he relied upon his natural sight, his education, his training, his ability to speak and command an audience. And people would listen to him. He was the top of his field, persecuting the church. However, Saul was on his way to Damascus to carry out some orders and threats. But he was blinded and he heard this voice. And it's this voice said, it is me who you are kicking against. You know, often if we're about in our natural strength and our ability like Saul was relying upon, then we can be kicking against the plan that God has for us. And, and Jesus says to him, listen, I'm going to send you. Yes, you. And he was blinded and they had to lead him into the city. And then, uh, you know, he, he got prayed for and he, he opened his eyes. But he opened his eyes in a, in a whole new and different way. And he saw Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. And we read in Acts chapter 26, and I'll read this. This is later on. Paul is retelling the story. What was he called to? People say, I don't know what God's calling me to. Well, the call of Saul, later Paul, you know, is maybe a good place to start. And he says this, I'm called, verse 18, to open their eyes so that they may turn away from darkness to light, away from the power of God. Then their sins can be forgiven and they can have a place with those people who are being made holy by believing in me. And then King Agrippa, he says, after I had this vision from heaven, I obeyed it and I began telling people that they should change their hearts and their lives and turn to God and show through their lives that they have truly changed. You know, that's my second point. It's not just having a vision. It's about being obedient to that vision. And a change of direction began with opening his eyes, but there was also this follow through. What are you going to do with the call of God on your life? You've heard the Spirit speak to you. He's opened your eyes. He's saying there's purpose, there's direction, there's vision for you. There's something for you, but are you going to take it up? Those first disciples heard the call of Christ just said, it's real simple, follow me. They could have decided right then, no, I'm going to stay fishing. I'm quite good at fishing. I know what I'm doing with fishing. You know, I'm not going to go and follow some random stranger who's a carpenter but knows anything about anything. Um, but I'm going to stay. They had that choice, didn't they? 
And I think when we see Jesus or when we hear Jesus calling us, we have a decision to make. And that transformation for Saul began with opening his eyes and then saying, yes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow through. And the opening of our eyes, like the old hymn, you know, the old hymn, I was lost and now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Yeah, that, that old hymn, what amazing grace God has for us. I think many people can have a vision. But do we follow through? I want to be somebody that follows through. I want to be that completer finisher. I don't want to be no half a job Giles. You know, I, to, I won't tell you that whole story. I used to work in this place, so they called me half a job Giles. And I'm like, I rebuke that. I'm not that. You can't call me that. I'm a completer finisher. I'm following through on what God's called me to do. Amen. So are you. About your life. And I think the chances are you already know what God's called you to. You already know. If you search within yourself and the Spirit of God speaks to you, you already know what you're supposed to do. And if you don't, you need to pray and ask God and say, what would you have me do? And maybe that's a daily prayer. What would you have me do today? But it's our obedience to that vision that begins to impact our lives. You know, you can watch all these programs on eating well and exercising well and you can get all the information can't you but until you kind of step out and do it it doesn't make any difference amen i'm there i struggle with these things myself but the obedience to the vision our vision at lighthouse is to connect with people to empower people and to send people to do what they need to do what they're called to do So I say, come on, connect with us. Come on, see the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life. And let's see the impact that we can make lives and the lives around us. Because we're we're living for more than just eat, work, sleep. We're living for more than just the routine and going through the motions. We want to live for the call of God on our lives and saying, yeah, here I am. Send me. I want to stop making excuses. Stop holding back. You know, what has moved us off the path? What has got us off track? Can we get back on the track so we can say, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm going to follow through on what God's called me. Uh, We have a saying in our house, it's hold steady. You know, because you step out into the plan of God for your life, you know, and you can get hit by all sorts of things. Those thoughts, you know, have I done right as God spoken, you know, and all these questions, and am I going in the right direction? And that's the time when we just hold steady. Smith Wigglesworth, a great preacher of old, says, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm only moved by what I believe. I tell you, we are waiting maybe for a move, and maybe God is waiting for us to move. Wouldn't that be ironic? If we're saying, God, come on, move. You know, I want my neighbor to come and know you. They're really struggling, and can't you just visit them with an angel and speak to them? And God's saying, well, actually, you need to go and speak to them because I've put within you a message, a hope, a new life, and it's your responsibility to go and share that hope and that purpose and that life with your neighbor. Yes, they're struggling, but find some common ground. Offer to pray for them, connect with them, and just see the work of God come in their life and see them come to the knowledge of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. So what's holding us back? 
What excuses are we making today? Paul wrote to the church in Galatia in chapter 3, verse 3, and he says, You began so well in Christ. You began in the Spirit, but now you're trying in your own efforts or comp- to make it complete by your own power. He's I tell you, we hold steady. Let's have our vision. Let's see with our spiritual eyes. Let's not get distracted, but let's keep on track. How do we do that? Hebrews 12 tells us. Hebrews 12 says, let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Let us run the race that's set before us. You can read the rest of that. Look into Jesus, the one who began and ended our faith, and he's now sitting at the right hand of God. Let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. That's the kind of spiritual vision that God wants us to have. Amen. I want to close with this story. This is Luke chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. What do we do when we feel like maybe we've given up? Maybe we feel like, you know, what has gone on in the world, what's gone on around us, you know, maybe feelings that, you know, we're really struggling and this is a story when Jesus had, had borrowed his, his boat and he'd been preaching to the crowd and he'd finished speaking, it says, and he says to Simon, take the boat out into the deep water, put your nets, plural, into the water and catch some fish. And Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night trying to catch fish and we've caught nothing. But you say, put the nets in the water, so I will. Another version, Simon says something like, Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the nets. You know, forgetting that Peter was an experienced fisherman, forget that fishing all night, which was perhaps a better thing than fishing during the day. You know, who is this guy telling me to go and fish during the day when I've been fishing all night? put the nets in the same place that I put the nets before. Forget that this man speaking to me is perhaps just a chippy from Nazareth. You know, it's like, what does he know? But he says, I'll give it a go. And he says, launch out into the deep. I think there's something of depth that Christ wants to bring us into. And maybe in that depth is where we find the abundance and that catch The deep is where you'll find things. Move away from the shore. Move away from the comfort zone. Move away from maybe everything that you've relied upon yourself. Open your spiritual eyes. Step out in faith. For whatever reason you've been holding back, maybe you've tried and tried. Perhaps waiting for more favorable circumstances. It could be be something really simple that God's asking you to do. Maybe it's something you've tried before and God's saying, come on, this time you're going to do it with my strength. This time you're going to do it with my spirit. Maybe it's, I don't know, starting a small group, helping in children's work, becoming part of the team, doing something of this. And maybe we've been struggling. I don't know, some people have over the last sort of year and a half. We've been through some challenging times, I agree. And maybe... Getting to church here this morning was a lot of hard work. And you say, Giles, you're talking about 
going out into the deep. You're talking out, getting out of my comfort zone. Getting to church on time is hard enough by itself. What do you expect from me? But I think we can set our sights higher than getting to church on time, don't you? I think that's, that would be quite a simple one. But God, what have you got for me? What plans and purposes do you have for me? I know my time is up and I'm closing very shortly. I think God wants to give us something bigger. He has plans for us, says Ephesians, super abundantly above anything that we could ever ask, dream or even think of. I tell you, when we start thinking in that kind of realm and we say, God, I know you've got plans. I need you to empower me. I need you to lead open my eyes. I need you to empower me that it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's just pray for a moment. Can we do that? Holy Spirit, fill us afresh and anew this morning. Open our eyes to see what you're doing to see your power working in us. Lord, you've called us into your plans, into your purposes. You've called us, Lord, and we put our faith and our trust in you to see what you're doing. And Lord, we want to be a part of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow. We have a child dedication this morning with our wonderful Chapman family. Are you with us this morning? Yay, there they are. Tell you, I love these child dedications. And some churches do infant baptisms, and um, we respect those traditions. We do child dedications. And uh, we're going to welcome the family and friends joining us on this occasion. And uh, a dedication is really about the family. You know, for a, for a little one like Alexander William Chapman, why don't you guys come up, bring the, bring the family up too. It's really about the family making a commitment. It's about them saying, listen, we're going to raise our children in a godly way, in a faith-filled home. And uh, this is the kind of commitment you make. I'm reminded of, of Hannah in the book of Samuel where she takes a little boy to the temple and dedicates him to the Lord. And that's kind of what we're doing here, that, that spiritual Hannah uh, dedicating Alexander William Chapman here um, to the Lord. And um, we as, as, a, as a church family, we're going to stand with you guys. And we're going to say, listen, we're a family and we're going to come together and support you as you raise um, your, your wonderful little boy in a godly way. And that's what dedication's about. And I'll just ask you guys a couple of questions here. Um, do you commit yourselves to Christ, to trust God to help you in a godly way, to teach and train uh, him in the faith and to encourage him all the days of his life to have a personal relationship with God? Do you commit yourself to, as parents to have personal faith, recognizing your children are likely to follow your example as they model and observe you? Do you commit to have a faith-filled home that honors God in your relationship and choices you make to spiritually grow your whole family? We do. The scripture I have for you here 
is uh, dedication Alexander William Champman. Hey, is Quay coming up with you and Janet? Come on, guys. This scripture, I, I was praying for you, and, and it's from Psalm 16, verse 11. There we go. Psalm 16, verse 11, and it says, You will show me the way of life, granting me joy in your presence and pleasures of living with you forever. I really believe that there's a way of God's life coming into your family today. And we are privileged as a church family to agree with you and stand with you and to pray with you. Amen? Why don't you start us off, Cray, and pray? Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yes, Alexander, we're about to pray for you. <laughs> Let's pray, church. Heavenly Father, we bring before you, Lord, this amazing child, Alexander. Father, we just bring him to you knowing that he is a gift from you, Lord. Father, you said our children will be thought of the Lord and great shall be their peace. And we pray this over Alexander that your spirit, Lord, and your wisdom will fill him, Lord, and he will grow in strength and in might and in great wisdom of the Lord. And we pray that Nancy and Lewis, you will give them wisdom to bring up Alexander in the, in the knowledge and in the ways of the Lord. We pray that Alexander will be a blessing to his family, a blessing to his church, and a blessing to his community. We ask that, Lord, your hand will rest upon this child. And this child will proclaim your name all the days of his life. And we speak over you, Alexander, over your mother, over your father. We say, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you continually. The, the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. We pray that the Lord will continuously lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you strength, give you courage, give you wisdom and understanding, give you life to appreciate the goodness of God around you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, we come before you as a congregation, as family, as friends, and we, we pray like Jesus, you'll grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and all the human beings too. We as a congregation of believers, friends, and family unite with their faith to uphold this family. We pray that their hearts will be encouraged and knit together with your love pertaining to all the riches of knowledge and understanding in whom, in Christ Jesus, in whom are hidden all the rich treasures of wisdom and understanding. We pray that you prosper in health, even as your soul prospers. Amen. Amen. Let's give this wonderful family a round of applause. Can we do that? God bless you. God bless you. God bless, God bless. We're going to have a final song. Is that right? I'm looking for the band. Wonderful. So Lewis and Nancy have um, gone to the trouble of uh, preparing some cakes 
for us, which we really thank you and appreciate you for that. So after the song, um, there are coffee and tea available. We'd love you to stay and uh, just enjoy a bit of cake with us. Is that all right? What a blessing. What a blessing. Amen. For your attention to a leaflet that's on your um, chairs, a fuel festival that's coming up. I want to encourage you to come along to that, bring some friends. It's going to be an awesome event, a real time of families getting together and um, encouragement as well. And we've got um, Tough Talk. Give us a wave, Mr. Joe. Yay! Um, and there's, there's activities for children and youth.